Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 200 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Elske van der Fleert. Elske van der Fleert has dedicated the past three decades to understanding and teaching how communication processes facilitate people's participation in and ownership over change processes. Most of her work relates to sustainable rural development in the global south, in particular, Southeast Asia, where she lived and worked in research, development and teaching positions for almost 20 years before moving to Australia in 2006. Elska is currently Director of the Centre for Communication and Social Change and Associate Professor at the School of Communication and Arts at the University of Queensland. Coming originally from an ecological sciences background, she obtained a PhD in Communication and Innovation from Wageningen University in the Netherlands. Her work finds application across several disciplinary fields, including agriculture, rural and community development, and energy poverty. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Elska's insights on communication for social change. In particular, we'll discuss how participatory communication processes can facilitate sustainable development and social change, and why it's so difficult to institutionalize this. So Elska, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tom. So to kick things off, Elska, could you please share a bit about your background and what led to your work in communication for social change? Yes, well, it's a bit of a, a long and wide story with an unexpected uh, twist uh, halfway. So I, I, I knew when I was a teenager that I wanted to work in development. Yeah. And, uh, but at some stage, I decided to study biology and, uh, and really got interested in the more in the, in the ecological sciences and, and the connections that, that it brings in, in nature and in the environment. But uh, when I did my master's, I wanted to bring that together and uh, was able to do some research in Sri Lanka to work with the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations in a, in a project that looked at, at integrated pest management, but particularly the, the human elements of it, how farmers actually uh, need to learn and implement about that. Yeah. And the project asked me to do not just the technical research, which you know I thought I would be doing as a biologist, but actually they what, what they call the agriculture extension. Yeah. So I started taking some courses and I was interested in, you know, the, in the educational part anyway during my study. So, um, and that whole field of agriculture extension or advisory services was at that time renamed to communication and innovation studies in recent mm. universities in the Netherlands. So that's how I kind of got more into that field and then worked for, after graduated for a couple of years and my PhD in that in that field, always combining the technical elements with the with the communication bits, until I suddenly got this email out of the blue from the University of Queensland if I wanted to apply for a job at the School of Journalism and Communication. I thought, mm. what the hell do I do? That? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm I'm, I'm you know, working in development and. Uh, um, 
But then I realized what we were actually doing is communication for social change. And it was an area that UQ was just developing. I wanted to set up a research program as well as a teaching program. And I thought, you know, by that time I was in Vietnam and I thought, you know, actually to be a change agent, it needs, it, you know, I've really learned over the years working, working in Asia is, you know, that it's only the local people who really can make that change and actually contributing through education and, yeah. and uh, you know, um, at a university where we do get a lot of people from the countries where I've worked a lot. I thought, hey, that's a, that's a great, great thing to do in, as a next step in my career rather than, you know, not making any difference myself in those countries, you know. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I can help uh, make young people from those countries, you know, help help them to open the the blinds a little bit and and understand a bit more about processes and and make the change they want to see in their countries. Mm, fantastic! It's been a great journey, Oscar. So now you're director of the Center for Communication and Social Change. So, what sort of projects are you and the team involved in then? So I've been typically still uh, working in, in agricultural kind of projects myself, yeah. um, and they they most of my work and, and a, a bit in energy and poverty over the last couple of years. And most of those uh, of my work uh, fits under two of the four themes that we work on in, on the on uh, at our center. So uh, those two themes are the first is participatory development communication, which really looks at. At, at how communication can facilitate participation and engagement of all stakeholders in, in change uh, yep. processes. And the second is uh, communication and transdisciplinarity and sustainable development. And it's really how we, we strategically design research and development you know, across disciplines to make sense in the, in the real world. Mm. Um, so that's really more interpersonal, intergroup communication and, and facilitation approaches. Whereas the two other other themes that we work on at the center and, and several of my colleagues uh, endeavor more are communication advocacy. So really looking at social movements um, and particularly uh, through media, as well as communication technologies and social change. So, mm. so those are more media oriented. Wow. Uh, my, yeah, my, my own work still is particularly in, in Asia at the moment. I work in Indonesia and Timor-Leste and just start something in the Philippines. And a couple of years ago, I had a, a two big projects in Mongolia. So up to date, still very little work in Australia, but you know, in our neighbor country, neighboring countries. Yeah, some fascinating work to be done in those countries, I'm sure. And so how have you seen these participatory research and communication methods evolve then over the last five or so years, Elska, and you know, particularly when we're talking about this area of sustainable rural development. Uh, yeah, it's not so much even the last five years. I would say you know, it's it's been great. But if I look at how these approaches are integrated in in, in research and development initiatives, and you know, they actually, if I look at trends, particularly in funding and in, in project design, they seem to be coming and going. And and I mm. think. You know, I mean, basically, those more participatory approaches uh, in planning and implementation, evaluation of, of development and, and change projects started yeah. in the late 1980s, early 90s, when I was just starting to work in, 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 uh, in Asia. And then they kind of petered out because people found it too hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and a lot of the, of, the, of the approaches were really well developed, but then, you know, people wanted to blueprint them. And that, of course, defeats the whole purpose of, yeah. you know, using participatory approaches it's all about to be really specific for, for, for a particular area but then they, they've come up again and uh, so so it, it goes back and forth and and 
where I see what it is, where it has particularly changed over the last five to ten years is in the use of, of media, which has a lot of, uh, or and information communication technologies, which has a lot of advantages to reach more people and engage more people and be interactive. But it is also the huge danger of being more about talking than listening and sharing. Mm. So and and very often you see now that that donor organizations. You know they want to be participate. They want to kind of support participation and engagement. They know it's important, but you know they don't want to buy into the long term processes that are actually needed yeah. to do it well. So they're looking for those silver bullet solutions through sure. through information communication technologies. And I've seen very few examples that that really works. So you know, still that interpersonal and kind of really capacity building and. Uh, um, yeah, and the hard work on the ground is really very, very important still. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've you've probably just touched on this now um, in terms of those long-term sort of participatory processes and, and, and the listening over the talking. But where do you feel then people can typically improve in communication around social change? Are there any other areas or things you'd like to really emphasise? Oh, absolutely. I think it really has to start at... at you know, it has to be embedded in, in a lot of things, you know, in our education, in, in, in policies, in funding schemes, you know. And at the moment, there's, you know, what I see has happened, or what not at the moment, I've seen it over the past 30 years I've been working in this field. It's very much not embedded as, you know, participation is this buzzword. It has to be in, we need to engage people, yes. um, you know, it, as a project. But, and then great projects are being done, but the moment a project stops and the whole kind of facilitation of those processes stop, it, it's gone. You know, yeah. people move on with the next project that have, has a very different approach. So, so where I see that the, the issues are is that it's not embedded in education. For instance, we barely teach our students to, you know, different, different kind of research methodologies than what they did like 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still very much about how to find the evidence, whereas the evidence is very fluid if we look at really what's happening in society. Yes. You know, it's, it's about people's perceptions. It's about how, how people make sense of the world around them. Uh, it, it's about integrating perspectives. So, you know, and of course we learn at a university or even in high school to be specialists, but we have to understand how our speciali speci uh, specializations fit into into the larger picture in, in the lives of people. So, mm -hmm. so learning that, that kind of making sense of, of your expertise in the larger world, I think, that isn't really done. So, in, so you, the result is then that policies are still very sectorial or disciplinary. And, mm. and yes, there is this kind of fluff of, you know, uh, that needs, needs to be participatory, but it's very superficial and it doesn't really go deep into what does it really mean to, you know, yeah. a good work as a society with people from different perspectives, different disciplines, sure. to actually make a change happen and institutionalize it within, within our organizations, our communities. Yeah, and, and policies. Mm, there's some great insights there. And you'll be sharing some of these insights, I imagine, at the New Kind Conference, which will be held at the end of January down in Marion Bay. So what are you most looking forward to about the five days down at New Kind Conference, Elska? Yes, yeah, so I've, I've never attended a New Kind because it just never worked out with the timing. And uh, even though um, the organisers have been... Uh, trying to make us come of course and uh, and I'm, what I'm really looking forward to is to actually engage with a very different which I think is going to be quite a different group of people from what I usually engage with uh, being at a university and particularly yeah. working particularly overseas 
So I'd really like to learn uh, a lot from, uh, from uh, you know, uh, people who have been doing particularly things in, in Australia, in, uh, in, in social movements and social mm. initiatives, and, and see what, what, you know, what approaches they are, are using, what experience they're having, and try and, and reflect that on my own experiences, mm. which, which you know, we've done a little bit with students' projects, like with, you know, um, for instance, specifically youth communities here in Brisbane or with um, Vietnamese farmers in, the, in Queensland and things like that. So, and, and I found a lot of those principles are transferable, but I would really love to learn from, from people who, who, yeah, who work in, in other networks um, mm. than where I've been the last um, 10, 15 years and, and see uh, what they see as the, as the strengths and the, and, the, and the barriers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there should be a great group of people down there. So are there any particular social enterprises or organisations or initiatives that you believe are doing a really great job at tackling, you know, some really deep-rooted social, cultural or environmental problems, Elska? Yeah, what I, I mean, I've, I've always been... Uh, I've always gravitated towards the the NGO networks, even though I was working, for instance, the United Nations myself and, yep. and and more established research institutes, but always collaborated with those grassroots organizations. But and I've seen the ones that are really effective are the ones who have long term vision, who really work long term in certain communities or with certain groups to really get that change embedded in everything they do and build mm. that capacity, rather than those who just do. You know, quick projects and uh, and tick off boxes, you know, based on the indicators that that, that the donor institution says. So, I I don't really want to name names here, but it's I think it's more about the, the principle of of having that that taking that that time and that pace to actually engage with people and mm. yeah and 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 facilitate people to make a difference themselves. So and that's it's often a lot more in these in in these grassroots organizations that yes. really are designed to do that rather than those who are just running for projects. Yeah, absolutely. That makes complete sense. So to finish off then, what books or resources would you recommend to our listeners? Well, if I can do some uh, shameless self-promotion. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, ha- we actually, we are, um, uh, my colleague and I, my colleague Thomas and I are co-editing a, a series. It's called Palgrave Studies in Communication for Social Change. Yep. And at the moment, there's 18 titles. So Pradeep and I wrote the initial book where we tried to kind of identify the gaps in the field, really. So a lot has been written and theories, but it was all stagnant, you know, last, you know, when we started this about five, six years ago. Yeah. We tried to really take stock and identify gaps and then invite everyone, you know, academics, but also activists and you know, whoever wants to write a book to fill those gaps. So the whole series has a real, a very interesting kind of array of topics that are being touched from more methodological to more activism to, you know, covering all, all areas of the world. So that's, um, and I think there's, there's um, a, a range of, um, of resources that might be useful for people. Wonderful. Well, that sounds like that'd be some, some great resources and we'll stick some links through to them in the article, Elska. But Elska, thank you so much for joining us for this very special 200th episode today and for sharing your generous insights and time. And we'll look forward to seeing you down in Tasmania at the end of January. Thanks very much, Tom. Look forward to seeing you too. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.
Thank you.